Amen. What is relevant, of course, to this chapter is what's about to happen to Judah. As we've mentioned a number of times, Judah is about to um, be overrun by the Babylonian Empire. Uh, as I've already made it clear to them, this will mean destruction. I mean, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed, temple's going to be destroyed. They're going to be taken in exile away to Babylon. The future is incredibly bleak, humanly speaking, at this moment. Um, and it is into that that chapter 51 speaks. Maybe you're feeling much like that in your own life. Certainly, if you're a Christian living in other parts of the world today, that's exactly how you would feel it, uh, view it. Um, some ten days ago, um, in southern Kaduna, that's in Nigeria, uh, there was a, yet a further case, two men murdered by Fulani terrorists in, in southern Kaduna, two Christians, um, and they reckon to have been murdered because they are Christians. They think that the Fulani, uh, 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 Fulani uh, terrorists are linking up with uh, the Islamic terrorists there and, and doing this purge of atrocities against Christians. Two days before that, or two days after that, in um, Sri Lanka, uh, there's been trouble there, and the police chief called together both the Christian leader and the leader of the Buddhists and made it clear to them that he would not tolerate any more uh, oppression of Christians in this area and that very night 800 Muslims uh, destroyed the church that the Christians worshipped in so they're now worshipping, this is only last week they're now worshipping in the open in fear of further attacks uh, many Christians today are facing exactly the sort of things that Judah were facing then um, and well we haven't got it anywhere near as bad as that in the UK or America have we nevertheless the level of persecution is always increasing and certainly in terms of ridicule and rejection and the pressure of political correctness to remain silent uh, we go into this future and, and perhaps we're saying like the people of Judah how can we be encouraged how can we look at that how can we face that and move into that and God answers it here and the answer starts in these first eight verses and this is the first thing God says to them. Look back and remember. God calls them, in fact, in these first eight verses to look in three directions. This is the first. He says, take a good look at the past. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, how people remember the past. Uh, many people, it seems to me, especially the older we get, seem to remember the past with rose-tinted glasses. You know, the, the good old days. Uh, the... The summer lasted longer, the rain only fell at night, roses smelt sweeter, TV programs were better, pop songs were more meaningful, children were quieter and far better behaved, everything was cheaper, everyone was happier. The interesting thing, as far as I can remember, when I was living in those older days, was nobody was saying that then. It's only now that we look back and we seem to view it with this twisted, skewed, um, idyllic, image of what it was like God's not calling us to do that he's taking us to look at history open eyed objectively and recognise how God has worked through history he's saying see how I have behaved down through the centuries and he turns them to look back to Abraham and Sarah I guess as you read verse 1 you might think he's actually describing them in that I mean he's talking of, 
you know, the rock from which you were hewn, the quarry from which you were dug. You might think, well, he's, he's saying this is what you were like before Holy Spirit worked in you. I'm, I'm fairly certain he's not saying that. If you know anything of Hebraic um, poetry, you know that parallelisms and classic structures are incredibly common. They run throughout uh, Scripture. And, and in this chapter, you've got m- many, many of them. Um, so what's actually happening is verse 1 is verse 2 it's, it's parallel on verse 2 it's saying the same thing in different language if you like um, you get exactly the same thing uh, pretty well all through these opening verses get down to verse 6 and you're saying lift up your eyes to the heavens so that's the first part look at the earth beneath second part then you go back to the heavens for the heavens vanish like smoke and then the earth wore out like a garment it's a parallelism it's going heaven earth heaven earth and here in verses 1 and 2 he's going Abraham, Sarah, Abraham, Sarah listen to me you who pursue righteousness you who seek the Lord look to the rock from which you were hewn that's Abraham and to the quarry from which you were dug that's Sarah look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you for he was but one when I called him that I might bless him and multiply him he says look back to your famous, illustrious father. And he says, what was he before I started working in his life? He says he was past the age at which he could bear children. He was a hundred years old when he gave birth to a child. He says he was just like a barren rock. There was no life in him. He says, what was Sarah like? She was like a quarry. She couldn't produce anything. She was past the age of being able to bear a child. He says, that's what they were like. And to them in that state, it looked like they had no future. When God said to Sarah, as she was named at that point, um, this time next year you will, bear a ch- you will have a child, she laughed. She turned around and laughed at what God said. How can it be? And God says, it will be. And God gave them a child. And God fulfilled his promise that from that child would come a multitude. So numerous promised the Lord that it would be like the stars of the heavens, like the sands of the seashore. God says, look back and remember how I've worked in the past. When things looked absolutely impossible, I stepped in and transformed them. And God calls us to do the same. When we're in a hard place, when things are difficult, and and we're, we're looking around and we're saying, how on earth... As Christians, are we going to move forward in this? God says, just look back and see what I've done in the past. And first of all, he would call us to look back where he's calling the Jews to, to the Old Testament. He says, look how I worked in the Old Testament. He says, look at David. David was hiding in caves for fear of his life. And he ends up under my hand as king of Israel. Look at Job, he says. Job had everything stripped away from him. He lost his children, he lost his property, he lost his animals, he lost his servants, his friends ridiculed him, his his wife mocked him, his health absolutely failed him. And he said, and how does he end up? He ends up praising God that he's now in the best relationship with God he's ever been in. God says, remember how I've worked in the past. And we have as well, of course, which the Jews didn't have at this point, all of the New Testament. Look how I worked through people in the New Testament, says the Lord. And the interesting thing is, of course, for many of them, it didn't end pleasantly in this lifetime. For many of them, it ended in martyrdom. And you say, so how does that pan out? Because that is not the end. 
that is just not the end Peter's crucified upside down Paul's beheaded John is exiled on Patmos but in that they experienced exactly what God had promised them God did not fail them he promised them it would be hard but he promised them promises beyond that Jesus said to Peter in Mark 10 29 to 30 truly I say to you There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. And God calls them to look beyond even what they're going to get in this lifetime and says if you lose it all in this lifetime You've got rewards in heaven unimaginable now. So, God says, if you're a Christian, here's the place I call you to look first. Look back. Look back on how I've worked in the past. I've proved myself, in other words. And we can come forward through history and we can see people through every century, every generation that have proved God true to his word. I've never yet found a Christian who in old age turns around and says, but I've got to say this, at that time in my life, God totally let me down. At that time, God totally failed me. At that time, God walked away and left me. I've never, ever heard someone talk like that because it's impossible. I might walk away. I might desert God. I might turn my back on him, but he never. And that's where God calls us to look. For even if in this lifetime we die in trouble, Hebrews 13 verse 5 remains true. God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He will still be there by your side. 1 Corinthians 10 13 No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape you say great he's going to get me out of it doesn't say that the way of escape that you may be able to endure it Romans 8.28 for we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose these are amazing promises. God's saying, look back on my track record and you point to an occasion when I didn't fulfill them. And these promises, Christian, are there for you today. All things will work together for the good of those who love him according to his purpose. Even the bad things in life, even the hard things in life, even your own sinful things in life, all things when they're confessed and repented of, God will use to grow you and shape you and make you into the person he wants you to be. That was David's testimony. He sinned terribly. And when he repented it and turned back to God, God shaped him by it so that God could call him a man after his own heart. That's the first direction. Look back and remember. Here's the second direction. Look forward and know. Verses 4 to 6. Let's just read them. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation. 
For a law will go out from me and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlines hope for me and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look to the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever and my righteousness will never be dismayed. Sadly for many of us, the older we get, the less inclined we are to look forward. Uh, It seems to us that, well, the best days are sort of behind us now. And we look forward and all we can foresee is failing health, uh, a diminishing income, uh, friends and relatives dying, maybe our minds not performing like we want them to perform and then we look sort of nationally and internationally and we see Brexit and we think oh dear what on earth is that going to bring to us or in America we see a new presidency and we say oh dear I don't know what that's going to bring to us and, and, and we start to be less and less inclined to look forward and more and more inclined to look backwards and God calls us first to look backwards but not at our history but at his And then he calls us to look forward, but not at what man can do to us in the future, not at what we can do ourselves in the future, but what he has committed himself to doing in the future. Verse 4. A law will go out from me. I will act. Now we live in a culture and a generation where... Man has tried to convince himself that we're in charge of our future, hasn't he, pretty well. You know, we can fix it. We can either throw enough money at it or enough science at it and whatever it is, we can fix it. Oh, a load of rubbish. I mean, you can't even fix a cold. But God says, I will act. Forget about what man thinks he can do and can't do. I'm God. I can do anything and I will act. Verse 5 my righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out. I think this is probably just looking forward to the the first coming of Jesus Christ, what we now look back on 2,000 years ago. He's saying his, his righteousness draws near, the time of Christ's appearing, the time of God stepping onto planet earth, the time of Christ going to the cross to die draws near. Still some, whatever it is, 150, no, uh, 150 years away. No, sorry, much more than that. Where did that come from? 750 years away. 750 years hence. But he says, but it draws near. He's making that commitment. He says that that stake is in the ground. But then as you go to verse 6, he goes beyond that. He goes to Christ's return, which is still future for us. For the heavens vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. He says, I fixed two landmark points in history ahead of where he is there. He says, Jesus Christ will appear and die on a cross to redeem man. And then Jesus Christ will return in glory to bring the culmination, the fulfilment of all that he died to achieve. And he says, those things are set. I will act. My friend, as you look forward, do you look beyond the mess of this lifetime? Do you look beyond the failings of your health and your pension and all those 
sort of things that are going to happen in this lifetime? Do you look beyond the national and international crises that people see looming? Do you look to the fact that God is going to act? And he has set a date that cannot be changed when he is going to do it. And the heavens will part and Jesus Christ will appear in all glory. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. My friends, right now, if you're a Christian, you're in the midst of the nasty bit, aren't you? You know, we're in the midst of the bits where between Christ ascending up to heaven and his returning, the church is at war. That we're fighting a fight every day of evil against good, of the church against all the powers of darkness. And how we're seeing that in our own culture and generation, aren't we? Where it's becoming more and more difficult, more and more uh, unacceptable to challenge what anybody believes or to draw any lines and say that is immovable. Marriage is between a man and woman, period. Destruction of human life is wrong, period. All the things that down through centuries we have stood on as a nation suddenly have been just thrown up into the air and into the mix and saying... You can't say that anymore. But God says it. And we're to look beyond the mess that the world is creating and our nation's creating and we're creating to the day when Jesus Christ will say, that's enough of this mess and Christ returns in glory. And then the worst Christ rejecter, the most adamant atheist will fall on his face before Christ and say, I was wrong. You are Lord. look at verse 6 what it's going to be like on that day heavens will vanish like smoke the earth will wear out like a garment they who dwell in it will die in like manner they will go into everlasting punishment but my salvation will be forever those who are trusting in Christ those who have come to Christ and bowed the knee to him have nothing to fear For God's salvation will continue forever and my righteousness will never be dismayed. My friend, is that your confident hope? That however hard it gets in this lifetime, however much pressure there is against me as an individual, against us as a church, as against God's people in different countries of the world, it doesn't end like this. Jesus Christ is coming again. And when he returns, his church will be vindicated, Christ will be glorified, and every knee will bow before him. For us who know him, it will be in joy and delight. For those that don't, it will be in terror. Listen to another promise that Jesus made. This time, not for this lifetime, but for what happens after it. John 14, 1-3 Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would, have told, I w- would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that you may be where I am also. Jesus has promised. If our trust is in him, if our hope is in him, we have got a home in glory with Christ. And when he creates the new heavens and the new earth, when God wraps up this creation and says, finish with it, whoomp, and replaces it with a new one that is perfect in every way in which dwells righteousness, 
we will be there with Christ for all eternity but my friend if you're not in Christ how do you cope with this lifetime you can look back and you can see how God has acted but that's not for you you can look forward and see that God's going to end this world with all its mess but that's only going to bring absolute disaster for you where is your hope but if you're a Christian we are safe and so thirdly God tells us to look around and trust verse 7 to 8 listen to me you who know righteousness in other words listen to me you who are saved listen to me you who are in Christ the people in whose heart is my law fear not the reproach of man nor be dismayed at their revilings for the moth will eat them up like a garment and the worm will eat them like wool but my righteousness will be forever and my salvation to all generations God calls us in light of how he's acted in the past in light of what he's promised and committed himself to doing in the future to actually not be afraid to look around and be honest about the troubles of this lifetime if we're Christians because they are many are they not let me just read to you this is in the Christian press this way and, th- and this paper is just full of persecuted Christians um, it's not the, it's just a Christian paper but it's just page after page of accounts and this is Ethiopia and I want to read this one because just just imagine yourself in this place for a moment three teenage Christian girls appeared in court the girls are aged 15 14 and the other one is an older teenager now I don't know where you were at 14 or 15 years of age but this is a Muslim country and these are Christians and they're brought into court They were arrested in the mainly Muslim region following the distribution of a Christian book apparently seeking to counter widely circulated polemics against Christianity by a well-known Islamic critic. In a brief hearing, the judge sentenced all four to one month in prison after asking the persecutor to present evidence. The girls would be transferred to a larger prison in a town called Galemiso, to serve the sentence among common criminals even though three of them are below the age of 18 the judge allowed for an appeal but it can only take place after their transfer the girls families are said to be shocked by the verdict but have not decided yet if they will appeal the case follows the distribution of a Christian book in Ethiopia's main Amhamic language by a local author let's speak the truth in love answers to questions by Ahmed Didat Didat that sets out to answer questions posed by the late South African Islamic scholar um, about the Christian faith local Christians decided to distribute it following cross-cultural evangelism training so they've, they've got this book that tries to answer the questions the objections that this Islamic uh, teacher has put in writing and they've just out there giving them out free to people these four girls are arrested they're taken to court they're charged, found guilty and sentenced to a month in a prison amongst common convicts but this is the point Eden suffered a beating this is one of the girls this is the 15 year old Eden suffered a beating on her first night in prison quotes this suffering is an honour for us we should expect persecution we are not afraid we are singing and praying here in prison close quotes 
One of the other girls, the older one, added, it is an honour to be jailed for God's kingdom. God says if we can look back and view what he has done rightly and we can look forward and see what he's going to do rightly, then we don't have to be afraid to look around and see what's happening to us in this lifetime. And that's where he calls us to look. Thirdly, look around and trust. And he makes two points here. In verse 7, here's the first one. If we go to the end of verse 7, nor be dismayed at their revilings. He says you shouldn't be surprised at what you see. You shouldn't be surprised at what you're experiencing. Listen to Jesus in Matthew 5.11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus, in other words, is saying, can we just get one thing right here? Persecution is not if, if you're a Christian, it's when. If you're a Christian, says Jesus, and you're living it out in the world, you're actually living as I call you to live, you're actually speaking as I call you to speak, persecution will follow. So you shouldn't be surprised at it. And the trouble is we're so poor at imaging Christ out there in the world that when we just start to do it a little bit and somebody immediately turns around and gives us a mouthful and and rejects us and won't talk to us anymore or, or thumps us or something, it's like, woo! You know, and we want to crawl back into our little safe little shell again. Jesus says, why are you surprised? Look what they did to me. They crucified me. Why do you think they're going to do any less to you when you're standing up representing me? Luke 21, verse 12. This is Jesus speaking to his followers. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons and you'll be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake. Jesus says, don't you understand this has got nothing to do with you. This is about me. And if you don't believe that and you're suffering persecution, I pose to you this question. Do you think they would still hate you tomorrow if you went in there and said, do you know what, I've rejected it all. I don't believe a word of it anymore. I hate Jesus Christ. Do you think they're going to persecute you? Of course they won't. They'll love you. Because it's nothing to do with you. It's about Christ. They hate him. Therefore, because you side with Christ, they hate you. But it's all about him. It's not about you. So the first thing he says is this. You shouldn't be surprised at it. Here's the second thing. Start of verse 7. Nor should you fear them. Fear not the reproach of man. But we do, don't we? I'll be honest, I fear it. We're frightened of opening our mouths. Hearts start pounding, you know, we start sweating and and we're like, I've got to say something, you know, and it's, it's because we're in fear. Verse 8. So speaking of those who revile us, those who persecute us, those who oppose us. Verse 8. The moth will eat them up like a garment and the worm will eat them up like wool. Do 
you think I can't deal with them says God do you think I can't silence them if they need silencing do you think I can't remove them if they want removing do you think I'm not in control of all of this trust me I will not let you be tempted beyond what you can endure all things will work together for your good I want you there I want you talking to them I want you facing this opposition I want you standing up and identifying with Christ don't be surprised at it don't be in fear of it embrace it says God because I can be trusted look at my track record in the past look at the promises I made you in the future look around see what's against you and just say okay I'm up for it in Christ not in my strength but in his Because the moths will eat them up like a garment. Think back to people that have opposed you in the past, ridiculed you in the past, who are now dead. If you're old enough like me to know people who ridiculed you in the past, who are now dead, who are now under God's judgment and his wrath. And those that are doing it to you now, where do you think they're going to be in a hundred years' time? They're not going to be ridiculing anybody. 60 years time they're not going to be ridiculing anybody they're going to be pleading with God to have mercy on them and they'll be beyond his mercy where do you think they will be when you're walking the new heavens and the new earth with Jesus Christ and you're enjoying every day more than the day before if that were possible and knowing that it can only get better it can't possibly diminish and get any worse through all of eternity think you're going to be in fear of them then my righteousness will be forever and my salvation for all generations says the Lord my friends we look around us and these are uncertain times in which we live aren't they they're changing times without any question they're times in which Christianity is being marginalised in our nations England is supposed to be a Christian nation I know it's not the same in America but in England in law, enshrined in law, we are a Protestant reformed nation. That is our religion. And now it's the only religion that you can't stand up and say, I'm going to defend it. And you look at what's happening and you say, how on earth do I go forward encouraged into this? And God says, just lift your eyes up a bit higher. Look back first. See my track record. And then with that behind you, look forward and see what I'm going to do. See the stakes I've set in history. The milestones, the markers that cannot be shifted. We're moving towards the day when Jesus Christ is going to return. And he says, understand what that's going to bring in. Understand what that will mean. And then, look around you. Don't be surprised at the mess. Don't be in fear of those who would intimidate you. But trust me. Let's pray. Father God, it is easy when we're sitting.